Yeah, good. Okay. Welcome everyone to the first episode of the Bisexual Fetish Podcast. I am your host, Christopher, and this is episode one. These episodes will be posted at random. There is no schedule for an episode. It's not posted once a month or bi-monthly, etc. Um, they're mostly posted at random. So after episode one, it might be a few weeks or a month or two before episode two. Just letting everyone know that off the bat before we begin. And I would like to welcome my first guest. Welcome. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. Hi. And you'd like to go by your first name, Ryan? Yes. Or is there another? I'm Ryan from Chicago. It's an honor to be your very first guest. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. The uh, honor is mine. Um, so we'll start off with um, how long have you been in the um, on the fetish scene? Uh, I've been active in the fetish world probably eight or nine years at this point. I started off very, very slow and casual and kind of ramped up over the last few years. But I think my first meet was about eight or nine years ago. Oh, that that's interesting. Yeah. I know for myself, I like it really started in my teen years, but my first meet would have been I think when I was twenty four, twenty-five maybe. So it it's been I, I don't know. Um then again, I don't really have that many how often do you have like a session or something? Uh, well, right now, <clears throat> I uh, I'm not really having many. I'm in a relationship, so we like to keep mm -hmm. our play between ourselves. Um, but in the past, but, though, like in the past, I was when I moved to Chicago, I be I became way more active. It's just a kinkier place than where I was. I was having sessions probably once a week once every couple weeks um a lot of my friends here i met through kink so that was kind of how we got to know each other uh which was nice and then uh, it was also during covid though so we had you know to be careful and and whatnot so it was an interesting journey into it i moved here from iowa which as you can imagine was kind of a kinky wasteland so coming to Chicago, where you know it's a very kinky city, it was almost like a kid in a candy store. Almost, it was like, finally I was in this world that I've been wanting to be in for so long. So it kind of went a little, a little crazy there for a while. Oh yeah, I I definitely understand um, the wasteland experience because uh, even though I'm from Pennsylvania, I live in like a backwoods redneck portion of it and there is zero um like almost anything here you have to really like hunt to find something around here i remember um almost everyone who wanted a session with me who lived in like other places like new york or philly they were like oh it's not that far but for me it kind of was because i'm in the middle of nowhere so i i completely understand that yeah, I uh, I used to have good luck with Craigslist personal ads. I would just post it and kind of leave it 
and then when people usually it was people that were traveling through the state it wasn't really people that were in the state i found a couple couple regulars in the state but i think i was more or less the only representative there so i would i would just place ads on craigslist back when the personals existed i don't think they even exist anymore and every once in a while i'd get a ping and uh yeah i met some i met some cool people through it Oh, that that's cool. Yeah, I know a few people who tried Craigslist and were somewhat successful with it. Um, I know for myself before like social media and stuff like that, I used apps like Yahoo Messenger or um, stuff like that. Uh, so how would you normally do like sessions? Like, is there like a do they usually go the same route or do you have like different experiences with your sessions that you had in the past it kind of depends on the person so my main fetish is bond like tickle bondage mm -hmm. so um you know tying people up or being or being tied up and and uh tickling which for some people a lot of people actually is like a hard no like i think it's funny how many guys i've talked to who are into you know really heavy impact play and pain and they can take everything, but then you mentioned tickling and all of a sudden they, they freeze up and they're like, oh no, 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 no. So that it's something that I have to approach a little delicately to not scare them away. If somebody else is into it, then, you know, great. We both know what, what to expect and what we're getting into. But if the person is new to it, but curious, you know, I try not to go too hard, too fast because it can trigger some childhood traumas in them or you know make them uncomfortable so i just kind of go at their pace there's a lot of communication beforehand too on what exactly we're going to do it usually you know usually starts off light and then i'll just i would go heavier until i kind of reach their limit and i would push it just a little bit more and then back off just so it wasn't too intense for them but i think as the big thing for me is communication if if there's no communication beforehand, I can't get into it because I'm so worried about how the other person is doing. Are they liking this? Are they not? Are they into it? Is this turning them on? Am I turning them off from it? Because it's, you know, it's a lot of pressure sometimes when you're somebody's first. So I was, would try to make sure that I got them a good experience, you know? So it's just a lot of communication beforehand. And I had some guys that would say, you know, I want you to go hard. I want you to do it like you would with any of your regular subs. And then I have some guys that were a little bit more hesitant, a little more cautious. So we go a little bit lighter. You know, maybe I wouldn't use the tools. It would just be a short session versus an hour and a half, two hour play session. Have you ever had, like, I know for myself, who's been through like several sessions, um, there were one or two moments where. I got like red flags from the person even before meeting them. And I had to like literally cancel because it just seemed too weird to me. Uh, have you had any, like a lot of red flags in the past? I've had a few most, most of the time. So I'm a switch and mm -hmm. there were a few times so I. when I was, would be talking to people and we'd be getting ready to, to meet. And then they would say, Oh, by the way, I don't like to use safe word, which to me is a huge red flag. Because that shows me that they're just in it for them and they're not going to be paying attention to their sub at all. Or they would 
just kind of give me really creepy vibes, kind of non-consensual type stuff. Like I just, I just didn't feel comfortable being immobilized around around these people. So I wouldn't meet with them because, like I was saying before, if they, if there's not a chemistry there and there's not a trust there, it's not going to happen. You know, you don't have to be best friends, but anything with bondage, you've got it. You've got to have that trust, or you. It's just not. It's just not good. Yeah, yeah, I I totally get that. There have been some meetups that I just had to flat out say no and cancel just because of what you just described with, you know, finding other stuff out. Um, I I remember one time I tried to set up something with someone and they only wanted it done a certain way and that way didn't seem safe to me especially when they talked more about it so i kind of had to back off because almost every time that i wanted to set up something they kept mentioning the same thing even though i gave other options for them they just were like totally deaf to those other options yeah and that's something that i feel like everybody needs to watch out for especially if they're newer into the whole kink thing like you've got to watch out for those and i i ran i didn't i never had a bad experience in a session but looking back i definitely was not as safe as i should have been i didn't vet people as much because i just was so desperate you know any any type of kink play i could get i i took it you know i would even drive across state lines to to meet somebody that i had barely talked to and that you know looking back on it I'm I'm really fortunate that it all turned out okay. And that by the time I started getting talking to those guys that were giving red flags, I knew more about myself and more about what kink was than I could identify them. If that would have happened when I was first in it, you know, who knows who knows what I what I would have agreed to just just to get some kink. But there's a lot of bad doms out there. There's a lot of doms out there that just want what what they want. And their idea of being a dominant is just control, having ultimate power, and just doing whatever they want. You, know, you have a responsibility to your submissive. You have to make sure that they're safe, and you have to watch out for for them during during the scene. And if if I get vibes that I'm not gonna get that from somebody, I don't I don't bother. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Even I've had some. Uh... An issue that I run into is that a lot of, especially doms, sometimes subs, but especially doms, they want to live it 24-7. And that's also an issue for me personally, because especially if you're trying to get to know the person more, like on a connection basis, just having that 100% of the time isn't helpful, in my opinion. I don't know what your views on that are. I mean, I... I am totally for the the lifestyle if if that's what you want and that's what the other person has agreed to, you know, go for it. I see, you know, in Chicago, I live by Boys Town, the gay neighborhood. I see a bunch of people walking around with collars and, you know, that with a little padlock, you know, so we all know what that means. Like if that's what you want to live, then then great. But don't expect somebody you just met to do that. You know, that's that's a relationship that I feel like you need to build to. But that, yeah, that's that, just me. Yeah, I should have probably been more specific because I've had, in my experience, 
I've had people where they haven't even met me in person and want that 100%. And I, I think that right off the bat is not, you know, unless it's prior discussed, that is. Yeah. And, then, and again, it just all comes down to the communication piece. If you're not doing that beforehand, you know, you're not going to, I feel like you're not going to enjoy it because you're going to get those surprises that you weren't expecting. But if you talk about it beforehand and you both agree to it, you know, do it. Go crazy. Yeah, most definitely. Um, now, with your sessions, though, do you do any kind of like role play or is it strictly just like random, like go straight into everything? Um, I've done some role plays. <clears throat> I am not a very good actor, so I feel like I uh, am not the best at role play. But I've definitely done some some scenarios, you know, the the boss and the employee and uh, the delivery man and the repair, you know, those classic tropes from all those old pornos. Like I've I've done those, and they can add they can add an element to it. It's just hard for me because I get in my head about well, what's my you know what's my character's motivation? What's my backstory? What am I? Which is totally defeats the purpose of the role play. You know, I'm not auditioning for Broadway here, but you know, I want to make sure I do it right, so I just kind of get in my head. Usually, usually, it just we just kind of jump into the session, but I use a lot of verbal and teasing to kind of make up for that lack of role play. It's not just tickling in silence. Or so, if I'm, oh, sorry, go ahead. So that means you use like something like a lot of tickle talk or like stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of tickle talk, a lot of you know teasing, like. Oh, what's the matter? You can't take a little, you know, stuff like that. I, playing impossible to win games, stuff like what? that. I found that it really <laughs> increases their sensitivity. And adding that little element of fun to it kind of relaxes them a little bit. And it makes them more sense, you know, makes them more sensitive, makes them more fun. The role Do plays that I've done have usually been um, in my foot dominant. It's a little bit easier for me to do role play there than it is with tickling. Do you find usually like a certain phrase that really makes them like weak or submissive? Like, are there some phrases more than others that easily breaks them? Um, one thing that I like to do, and I use this on my boyfriend all the time, is I'll ask him, "Are you ticklish?" And he'll either deny it and I'll try to prove him wrong or he'll say yes. And then I'll just say, well, you know what they say about ticklish boys? They need to be tickled and it drives them crazy. Because then I can say, well, you admitted it. You admitted it. So you agree. This is what we have to do. You know, kind of twist it, twist it around on them. Or if I, if I hit a really good spot, I'll make them beg me to go to another specific spot that I know that's bad. So then when they're begging me to stop there. I can say, well, you asked me to do this. This is what you wanted. Do you so sometimes kind of get in their head a little bit? Do you sometimes drive them crazy? Like if there's a certain spot that you know is like their really bad spot, do you like just circle around it? Like not like to make them. Oh yeah. It's, it's all about teasing and building anticipation with tickle play. I think a big mistake people make when they're tickling is they go straight for the hard crazy stuff it's a slow build if you go hard and fast right away they're gonna 
you know, their body's going to get used to it. They're going to, their nerves are going to deaden a little bit, but if you go slow and tease and kind of trace around with spots, it drives them crazy. Oh yeah. So I, I do a lot of trial and error. Exactly. Exactly how to do it. So. Oh yeah. I definitely agree with that because I'm, I myself am a switch and um, I know for me, the ones that just dive right into it, I tend to not really get like aroused by. It's usually the ones that really take their time and like drive me crazy are the ones that I tend to respond to. And also with me being a tickler also, I find that using that is more like a lot fun versus if I were to just dive right in. Yeah, it makes it so much more fun. And you kind of build up this playful, you know, rapport with them. And, you know, I, I've i kind of learned from what works for me as a tickly, and I've employed it as a tickler. And it seems to work pretty well. I haven't gotten any complaints anyway. Yeah, that that's pretty good. Um, we must have different experiences then, because I've had complaints sometimes on both sides of the coin. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe like I'm too afraid to complain. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it it depends. I think Especially, I won't let them out or something. Yeah, or they really think that you're gonna really do something. I I don't know. I remember right. I had, I remember I had this one guy. I didn't know that it was his first time having a session, and we agreed on certain things prior. And he he wanted to be blindfolded, which I thought was kind of bold since it was his first time. I didn't recommend it, but he said, sure. And I said, okay. So you know how you sometimes tease, like um, like if you have like a hairbrush or something, you know, you tease like, oh, guess what I have, you know, like jokingly. Well, he totally went ballistic and it ruined the mood, even though we, we discussed this prior. Like he, he didn't like it? Or um, it just was too much for him? I think it was too much for him. And because he was blindfolded, he couldn't see what I had. So he probably thought mm-hmm. that I had something more dangerous than just a hairbrush. Yeah, that makes sense. Usually I'll show my toys beforehand so they know kind of what I'm working with. Yeah, that's what I did. I but he was still kind of eases the, and he still was too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know until you experience it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That's how I was with um, those grooming gloves that you see in all the videos now. I was like, "Oh, that looks fun." I just figured it was like a hairbrush, which I can kind of handle. Um, but man, those grooming gloves—I can't stand those. I love using them on other guys, but I hate them being used on me. I'll still take it, but I—it's—it's it's, goes to the into the torture part of tickle torture with those. Mm-hmm. Do you ever use, like, I, I know some guys, especially on their soles, they're very licklish. Like, if you lick their soles, they're ticklish. Like, do you employ that mm-hmm. at all? Yeah. Um, so, since I'm a foot guy, too, a lot of times I would kind of start off the session with some foot worship or in the middle of the session to give them kind of a cool off intermission, I'd do some foot worship. And that's kind of where I would explore and see. You know, if they were licklish, most guys I find it's between their toes. That's, that's where you get them. And then if I find that out, then that's one more thing that I can use to my advantage for the rest of the session. 
I'm kind of a little methodical with my with my tickle style. I'll like do a full body scan and see what works and what doesn't, and then I'll exploit it for the. Yeah. Do do you find with um with the licking though? Do you find that sometimes they're not licklish, but it arouses them? Like, have you ever had that yeah. experience where it doesn't yeah, tickle? Yeah, still but... enjoyable for them. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah, pretty much any guy that I've that I've worshipped, even if they weren't into feet, afterwards they had this newfound kink where they they love their their feet worshipped or their or their armpits licked, you know. So they would kind of like a discovery for them too. Oh yeah, I I had that happen. Licking is. I'll go ahead. I, I was about to say I was going to agree with you. I've had that happen in sessions too, where they didn't realize they had something pre prior to that. Yeah, I had a guy one time who he was licklish in his armpits, and so I stayed there for I don't know fifteen mm -hmm. minutes maybe, and he, he he was messaging me days after. It had unlocked some new, deep, deeply buried kink of his. So that kind of made me feel like I accomplished something there. Oh, like you, you've unlocked a new achievement or something, like in a, in a game or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, <laughs> yes. Yeah, with a little icon. Yeah, a little trophy. Uh, yeah. That's how, that, that's how that, it felt. It, it, it felt like I'd won some sort of prize. It's the same yeah, thing I, if I get somebody that has never been into tickling but is curious and then they leave here being into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that's the way that I, I've had that experience too. It does feel like you unlock like a new ability or a new achievement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... Uh, so um, with finding like both... With finding like tickle partners or feet partners like um for sessions um where do you see have like the most successful way of finding them like do you use like do you find instagram is a better way do you find stuff like fetlife or etc other sites like what is more like successful i know a lot of people like fetlife i've never had much luck on it i uh the curious ones I would always get from Grinder, or a couple I think I found on Recon a couple years ago. But a lot of the sessions that I have are friends that I've made on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And when they would come through town, or you know, I met a lot of them at Tickle Fest last year. There's an annual Tickle convention every year, and I met a lot of them there. That's what most of my sessions are, is meeting with friends that I've been chatting with for some of them, like five years, and then we're finally able to get together. Those are most of the sessions that I have. And those are all honestly some of the most fun too, because you already have the, the relationship. And through them, you also meet like others for sessions, right? Like you kind of discover other people? Yeah, I... That's where the apps um, came into play. Like, I had decent luck on Grinder. A lot of flakes on Grinder too, though. Um, Recon being a little bit more, a little bit more kink based. I met some people on there. The problem was they all live so far away, so it was kind of the same situation as Instagram. 
where I would almost have to wait for them to come into town. But I didn't enjoy those as much because they were kind of awkward, you know, especially the grinder ones, because those are the ones that I think they were, no matter how much I explained it to them, they still weren't sure what to expect. And a lot of them just kind of wanted sex, which is not my thing. I'm very much aside. Like, I am perfectly fine with just the kink play, and that's it. And so really trying to explain to them the that the kink play was the sex for me just kind of got a little exhausting. So I kind of stopped looking on, on Grinder. Plus I got tired of, you know, talking to guys for a week and then the day of the session they they'd freak out and block me or they would ghost. You know, that happened probably nine times out of ten. It just got it just got old. Yeah, I I downloaded Grinder a few years ago and I had the same experience that you just said. Um, you know, people just wanted it for sex and didn't want anything towards what I wanted to do. And I eventually had to do the same thing. I had to just delete my profile, delete the app, everything. Yeah, my profile was, when, back when I had it, I've deleted it since. It was in neon lights, you know, Tickled Kink. That's my, that's my online name. Tickled Kink. Tickling isn't the name. It was a giant picture of my foot on the profile. The description mentioned tickling and feet probably eight times. And people would always still message, hey, what are you into? Or they would come over and think we would tickle for like five minutes. And then they would try to have sex with me and be like, no. And it, yeah, it just got old. Yeah, that that's understandable. I I've had the same experience with guys too that I've met on other sites that I've tried, like dating apps, etc. Um, they just it's like if and the same thing before you mentioned, I mentioned that in my profile, and that just proves that they do not read profiles at all, which is sad. Yeah. And, and and if someone yeah go ahead oh and i just was gonna say you know it's it's not a kink oriented app so i think a lot of them on there just didn't really know what it, what it was like but it was mm-hmm. almost like some of them were will, willfully ignoring what i was saying just to a tally you know like one more one more for their body count Oh yeah, definitely. So they were. Yeah. I was telling them I was into. Oh yeah, that sounds great. Yep, yeah, totally. Yep, yeah, totally down for that. And then the time would come, and all of a sudden they weren't comfortable with it, which is fine. But I'm also not going to sleep with you. I'm mad that I don't want to sleep with them. Like, don't con me. You know, and that's almost what it felt like. Like they were just agreeing to get me to let them over and then hoping that I would just get them off, which wasn't the case because I'm stubborn. Yeah. Um, with, with finding guys though, do you find like that different age groups behave differently? Like from what I've noticed, like one, a guy in their twenties might act differently from say a guy in their thirties or forties. Um, do, do you have that same experience with like guys acting differently depending on what age group they're in? Yeah, 
Um, but it, not so much that I'm like, oh, I, I can't get with anybody in their 20s, or I will not get with somebody in their 60s. I guess mm-hmm. they act they act differently because they're you know in different points of their life and different generations and whatnot. But it seemed like the younger generation. You know, I'm I'm only 35. It's not like I'm old, but yeah, in the gay community, I am. And a lot of the younger ones, you know, if you don't want to give them exactly what they want, then they're like, well, fuck off. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, older, the older men, it seems like they're more willing to experiment and, you know, compromise. Well, I'll let you do this if you let me do that, that type of thing. They're more willing to negotiate, whereas, you know, the 22-year-old that is the most popular girl at the at the gay bar was like, well, I don't need you. So I'm just going to go find somebody else. You know, there's a, a little arrogance there, which I'm sure we all had when we were that age. Yeah, exactly. And I was just about to say that I've had the same experience you just described. Um, you know, that's why I tend to, um, with me being a switch, if I am a dom, I tend to go for guys my own age. And if I like, if I want to be a sub, I tend to go for older guys. And um, usually the older guys are more understanding and I can, uh, like, since they've been around more, they can get what I'm talking about. I- I've had guys like 18 to 23, like message me and chat with me. And I, you know, even yeah. though we have, go ahead. Like, uh, it's like um oh no i'm I'm just listening okay yeah it it's like they it's like you just said um it's like they're almost in a different world sometimes uh with what what exactly they want uh yeah right yeah that's all that i have to say about that well and i know when i was well when i was that age i was in the closet but Mm -hmm. um yeah, when I was that age, I was in the closet, so I was, you know, not out trying to find guys, but I gave that to me to invite. Yeah, you know, yeah, like a, a youth. Yeah, I get it. Are um, old souls? They're not like that at all. My mm-hmm. boyfriend's like that. He's he's twenty two, and he's you know. A, talk to him like he's my age he's very yeah. not the norm of his of his age group oh it's not you know that that is you know i i applaud that you found that because that you're right that's rare to find um I, i've met guys around that age that still act like they're 16 17 years old at times and it's too much to handle sometimes yeah well i just don't have time for it you know, oh, at this but... point, I've discovered enough about myself, kink wise, that you know, and I have I've learned enough from my past experiences. I just don't have time for it. I know where it's gonna go. You're either gonna block me or ghost me, so I'm not gonna waste my time. You know, like kink yeah. is something separate from the usual gay sex. You know, you almost have to come out twice, come out as gay, and then you come out as kinky. And there's going to be guys out there that don't accept that. 
you know, where it's a, it's a turnoff for him. And it's just part of, part of being kinky. You just have to accept that not everybody's going to be down for it. Yeah. Or if they don't turn get turned off by it, they totally misunderstand it. If they try to, um, I, I know for me, I've met some gay guys that don't have the same fetishes or likes that I have. And they say they're willing to explore it or to learn more about it. But whenever I try to like do like the smallest thing to explain, they don't want to hear anything and just close it off. And that was it's it gets old. It does get old. And it's to me, it's sending mixed signals too. Yeah. That was the problem that I had back in Iowa. The, I just did not fit in with the kink scene there. You know, the, the kink scene there is very much leather. Um, from what I saw, a lot of guys were into fisting. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, which I was willing to maybe try as long as I got my needs met too. And usually it was met with, well, can't you just fist me? No. <laughs> no it's not a one-sided thing mm-hmm. so that's why you know when i moved to chicago i was so happy it's a much more kink friendly city much more openness you know exploration it's it just w- was lovely i finally felt like i belonged in the community which i didn't feel the whole time i was back home yeah most definitely um you know, I, as someone who has been through a lot of fetish shaming over the decades, uh, yeah, having a community that knows your needs and knows what you want is very important, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and people don't realize how much impact kink shaming has on a person. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept my kinks hidden for years. I didn't want anybody to know that I was one that I was gay, even though I'm pretty sure everybody knew (laughs) I don't hide it very well. But then second that I was kinky because I felt like it was, you know, I had this idea drilled in my head. Oh, that's pervert. That's like, it's just tickling. It's just sucking on a guy's toe. Like who cares? You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Once I came to that realization that it wasn't that big of a deal, it, uh, made things a lot easier. I actually had a moment where I was forced to face it. When I had when I first started my Instagram page, um, I had it public because I just wasn't thinking. And somebody from my work found it, you know, which where I was very much not out as a kinky person there. But somebody found it and was spreading it around around the workplace. And somebody messaged me saying, hey, just so you know, somebody found your Instagram. You might want to do something about it. And that's where I I was like, okay, like, I have two options here. I can freak out and make a huge deal out of it. Or I can not make a big deal out of it because it's not a big deal. And that's what I chose. If somebody asked me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm into. You know, if if we don't assign shame to it, 
then there's nothing to be ashamed about. But if we seem ashamed about it, then that's how people are going to see it. And that's the approach that I've been taking to it ever since. I don't have it tattooed on my forehead when I'm into, but if somebody asks me, I'll tell them. Because I feel like we're not going to end the the fetish stigma by, you know, staying behind closed doors with it. Yeah, yeah, I totally 100% agree with that. And I, I don't know if you've had this experience also, but I've also had experiences where um, I remember, um, since I'm bisexual, I also done stuff with girls too. And I had a girl who said that, uh, I, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. Sexy talk does that sometimes. Yeah. It, it Well, what you were going about saying was like, basically, oh, I'm fine with one thing, but not another. And usually that thing that they're fine with is like on the opposite end of what they weren't fine with. And you don't know how that correlates with how come this is okay, but this, which is lighter, is not fine. Right. You know, it's like the the joke that goes around the foot fetish community all the time. When people are grossed out that you're in defeat. It's like you were literally asking me to lick my asshole. But now you're grossed out because I want to suck your toe. You know, make it make sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I once had um, a fellow friend um, say that for those who shame this kind of thing, uh, remember that um, it's cleaner than if you did something else or, or something. Right. Like, if you're not into it, fine, but don't shame somebody for being into it. You know, I'm not into anal sex, but I don't go around shaming everybody that's into it. It's not my thing, but it's their thing. So what harm is it? You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I do know. It's, uh, I don't know. For one thing, it might be like a different world or something. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I, I don't know if I just got better at navigating it over the years, but it seems like I have less and less of those encounters. Yeah, most definitely. Um, let me check the... Yeah, I think that we will be done then because I just realized that we've been going on for two hours now. <laughs> no way, we've been going on for two hours? Yeah, I thought it was like an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. That went fast. Yeah, that, that did. Uh, thank you so... <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my podcast. And um, if you know of anyone else in the community who would like to be on, please send them my way. Yeah, sure. Once it's uh, posted, I, let me know when I'll, I'll advertise it. Yeah, it, it should be, um, if not by tomorrow, then like the beginning of this coming week. Okay, cool. All right, well, hopefully it, uh, hopefully it takes off. I know a lot of guys were excited about it when I mentioned it the first time. Yeah, I that's very different from what I have gotten because I have asked people and they're like, well, I don't really listen to podcasts that much or they're like, why bother doing it? You know. 
Well, I know a lot of guys messaged me saying that they were excited that there was a fetish-based podcast. Well, definitely send them to so, me. So, you know, just I'll try and get you give them guys. the link to my profile. <laughs> I will. I will. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, I, I appreciate it, too. It was a very good experience, especially stuff that good. we have in common. Right. All right.